turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, stay tuned for the conclusion of last week's message. And so he says, preach the gospel to the poor who are poor spiritually. Don't just preach the good news to those who look like you. You know what? Somebody should have shouted right there. Because if Jesus had come along and only preached to his own, you and I would be lost. If he had only gone to his own, he would have only gone to the Jews. So all of the Gentiles would never experience Jubilee. But his assignment was to preach the good news to all the poor, the black, the white, the Asian, the Hispanic, the rich, the poor, those who got degrees, those who don't have degrees, those who walk in the street, those who live in homes, those who drive in cars, those who don't have a car. The gospel was to go to everybody and it didn't matter who they were. And guess what? And that hasn't changed. We still need to take the gospel to everybody, regardless of what they look like. You should be looking at folks talking about, mm, you got his pants hanging all down, look like they don't smell too good. I'm not talking to them. No, you take the gospel to everybody because everybody needs to hear this good news. So Jesus, in his assignment, he was assigned to preach the good news to the poor. Then watch this. Preach a word of healing to the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal. Through my preaching to those whose hearts are broken by sin and those whose heart are broken because of sin. Preach to them a word of healing. Preach a word that would allow those whose heart is broken, whose spirit is broken to be revived through the preaching of the gospel. But that's why it's so important to stay in the book. It's so important to preach the text. And the reason is because the only thing that's going to help your soul, the only thing that's going to help bring healing to your broken heart is going to be a living word from God. There's nothing I can say that can heal your broken heart. There's nothing I can come up with as smart as I might think I am. I can't come up with no seven points and, and some principles and, and some dynamic uh, PowerPoint presentation that's going to heal your heart. But there is a word from God. If we just stay in the book and preach the book, then the word of God will heal the broken heart. And so his assignment is to preach to the poor, to preach a word of healing to the brokenhearted. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captive. Preach a word of jubilee. Preach a word of deliverance. Preach a proclamation 
as if you were a king who has authority to release the people. In biblical times, if the king wrote an edict and said, set all of the prisoners free, then all of the prisoners went free. That's the kind of authority he had. And so, in essence, what the assignment of this prophet of Jubilee, his assignment is to preach with authority as a king. See, this is how you're going to be able to identify who he is. Preach with the authority that you have the right to set them free. Everybody can't do that. Everybody can't stand up and preach with that kind of authority as if they are the king. Everybody can't say, I am the way. There's no other. Matter of fact, no other faith has ever even said that. Only Jesus. So he preaches, to, he proclaims liberty to the captives. That deliverance is available and he preaches it with authority. He preaches, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Preach recovery of sight to the blind. He says, preach that they will recover from the blindness that they're enduring. Isaiah says it a little bit differently in this particular verse. It says, the opening of prisons. The way Isaiah articulates it, preach the opening of prisons. But watch this. Our greatest prison is our blindness to the truth. And so even though Isaiah says it a little bit different from what you see here in Luke, it literally is saying the same thing because what he was to preach was to preach with power that would open up blinded eyes. Preach with authority that would cause those who are ignorant to the truth to have the light of God shined on them to open up their blinded eyes because sin has a way to draw us into darkness. You ever notice the things that seem to be the most sinfully fun seem to happen at night. I mean, you was woo all the way live, turned all the way up. Didn't happen till night. Matter of fact, there was a song that came out that said the freaks come out at night. Oh, I don't even know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. In the back, in the dark, in the corner, diamond in the back, sunroof top, digging in the scene with the gangster lean. That wasn't happening in the daytime. That was at night. Because sin causes us to love darkness more than we love light. And so we're drawn to the darkness. But God says, prophet of Jubilee, preach light into the darkness. Preach truth into the lies. Preach so that they can see the error of their ways. Preach so that they can know which way to turn and which way to go. Lighten up the darkness. Show forth your light. You know, here's something that I believe that we have um, kind of failed on as Christians. I think we have failed on fulfilling the Sunday school song that we were taught as children. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We sang that with excitement, enthusiasm. Now you become Christians, pious won't shine your light nowhere. We're hiding our light. We're covering our light so that nobody can see that we are Christians. And so when you do that, we join darkness in allowing darkness to prevail. Pastor, what are you talking about? I come to church every Sunday, Monday through Saturday. Who are you telling about Jesus? Here's something I'm going to challenge you. I want want Kettering to take this challenge this year, 2019. I want everybody, it's up to you. You You can take it or leave it. Even for my online listeners and those of you in my live stream, write down three people who you know are not saved. 
and pray for them every day. If you're already doing it, wonderful. Because if I care about lost people, I ought to be praying for their salvation, shouldn't I? Now, some of the people might be folk in your family. They might be your brother, sister, mother, father, auntie, somebody. Just write down three people. I want you to just be praying every day for three people to be saved this year. That's one. Two, I want you to at least attempt to share the gospel with two to three people every day. Because you're running into people every day. You at the grocery store, you at 7-Eleven, you jumping in the back of Uber. I mean, Uber drivers need Jesus too. Y'all looking at me funny like, Pastor, I'm not doing that. That's why I said you're covering up your light. You've got the keys to help someone get into heaven. And you're not sharing it at all. You have the directions to make sure that that person you run into doesn't spend their eternity separated from God and cast into the lake of fire. And you don't even say anything. I really want us to take this challenge. I really want us to seek out opportunities to, sh- to challenge people about their faith. Here's a good question to start the conversation off. Ask the person, anybody you come in, if you died today, are you sure you're going to heaven? And how do you know it? That's a good way to start the conversation right there. Just ask them that. That's, and watch this. So, Pastor, wait a minute. I don't know all the Bible. I don't know all that. Do you know how you got saved? That's all you need to know. Well, I repented of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Asked them into my heart. He saved me. That's all it took. Well, that's all you need to tell them. Well, what if they ask me a question? I'm not asking you to be God. I'm asking you to be a witness for God. You don't have to know every answer. But what you know, stay with that. Okay? And don't be trying to get hyper-spiritual and making up answers either so that you don't, you know, it's okay to say I don't know. Okay? But just share that part. Share what you know. If you don't have all the scriptures and all that, it's, it's easy. Okay? Just tell them what you know. I once was lost, but now I'm found. How did it happen? I asked Jesus into my heart. I repented of my sin. And it happened. That's it. That's all I know. Well, guess what? Tell them that. But don't stay there because there's tools and ways in which you can grow and get to know even a better presentation. There's simple, you know, simple tools. But okay, I want to challenge us in that. I want to challenge us because I think we need to do that. I think we need to start sharing Christ because there's a lot of lost people around us. A whole lot of lost people around us. And you're running into them every day. And you're talking to them every day. And you're working with them every day. And you're riding the bus with them every day. And you're interacting with them every day. Imagine this for a moment. You are on trial for life. For something you didn't even do. And so there's a witness that your attorney brings to court. When this witness tells their version of the story, you're going to be set free and you ain't going to jail for life. So your attorney brings the person, they bring the witness to court, sits them in the witness chair and says to them, starts asking them questions. But while they're sitting on that witness chair, they refuse to open their mouth. And for 10 minutes, they go at them and ask them question after question. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes goes on. And that witness won't say anything. Then the other attorney gets up and starts asking a question. And the witness won't respond, won't open their mouth, won't say anything. I want you to think for a moment. How do you feel while that witness is on the witness stand who can say something that would cause you to not spend the rest of your life in jail? How are you feeling about that moment right then? How many folk mad? What the, you, you, got, you can tell them I'm not guilty and you're sitting there with your mouth closed? Well, guess what? In the day of judgment, 
there will be folk mad at us because we were in the witness chair and could have given witness to Jesus Christ and we didn't open our mouth. And so they get a life sentence to hell, to the lake of fire, because we sat in a witness chair. Wait a minute, Pastor, how did I get in a witness chair? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be my witnesses. Everyone who's born again, you are a witness for God. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. You shall be my witnesses. You should be the ones that take the gospel to the world. That's our responsibility. Y'all checked out when I said y'all got to do something, didn't y'all? Y'all just came to get, but now, now it's your turn. So now we, we got classroom going on. So we got something to do. We have an assignment. The assignment of Jesus, he's fulfilling. And we get to validate that he is the prophet of Jubilee. So he's to preach. And he's to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Part of his assignment is do what's necessary to make sure that everyone who is oppressed by sin is capable of being set free. What does that mean, Pastor? That means whoever this prophet of Jubilee is, this prophet of Jubilee has to take on the responsibility of paying the debt that God will only accept. They've got to pay the full debt for everybody's sin. Muhammad didn't do that. Probably disqualify him. Buddha didn't do it. Confucius didn't do it. There's only one person who did it, who set at liberty, did what it took to set everybody free. That's Jesus. He's the prophet of Jubilee. Because this prophet, his assignment is to pay the debt that everybody owes. Everybody sin. He had in his assignment to come here to earth and die. He was anointed by God to die. He had the spirit of the Lord upon him so he could die for us. That's what this prophet of Jubilee has as a qualification. This is how we know who he is. This is how we can validate who he is. Now, finally, he says, you know, once, I've, once you've done all that, verse 19 Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Once you've paid the price for sin, declare and proclaim that God is now willing to accept all who were once foreigners and sinners and disconnected. God is willing to accept them all, but they got to come through the son because nobody can get to the father except they come through the son. So, but declare it to all. That's part of his assignment. Now, the final movement of this text, after we've seen the authority of the prophet of Jubilee and the assignment of the prophet of Jubilee, finally, there is the acknowledgement of the prophet of Jubilee. Verse 20, Jesus is reading, and the Bible says, verse 20, he's reading that prophecy of Jubilee from Isaiah chapter 61, and he doesn't finish it. He stops in the middle of it, gave the book back to the attendant and sat down. When he sat down, all the eyes were fixed on him from the synagogue. Everybody's looking at him. And while everybody is looking on him, he responds in verse 21. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus is literally doing is he's saying to them, today, this prophecy up to the point that I've read is being fulfilled. Why doesn't he keep reading the rest? Because the rest of the prophecy is not yet to be fulfilled. Because after he stops, 
the remaining part of the prophecy deals with judgment. But Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world. John says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so he's only read up to the point where I've come to save you. I've come to establish jubilee. I've come to release you from the penalty of sin. I've fulfilled that. And today is being fulfilled in your presence. When he says that, people who are in the synagogue act like people today. Because after he says it, he closes the book. He began to say, so all bore witness to him. Everybody came to him and said, oh, that was so nice. Man, that was good. That was a good sermon you preached this morning. Patted them on the back. Oh, that was good. But the reference is only to the gracious words. They marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Because when Jesus spoke and when he opened up this text in the hearing of those in the synagogue, he opened it up with grace letting them know that God is going to do this establishment of Jubilee, this establishment of freeing you from your sin through a prophet who has been sent by God, but he's going to accomplish it on your behalf by grace. And so his ministry, his mouth, his message is a message of grace. It's smooth, it's nice, it's easy to take in. And so when the people get that part of the message, they're happy with that. But right after that, they said, is not this Joseph's son? This is how people are. On the one hand, they're saying, good job, marvelous. They marveled. In fact, if you look at Matthew's version and Mark's version, it's like, where did he get all this wisdom? Where did he come? His sisters are here with us. Isn't that Joe's boy, the carpenter? You know he couldn't be connected to speak like that. You know, this is how people do you. You know, they, they look for your low point so they can drag you down after you didn't spoke eloquently. Jesus spoke eloquently. And now they turn to negatives. And the scripture says he could not do many works in Nazareth because the prophet is without honor in his own country and especially in his own house. And then in the other version of this story, I think Mark's version says, then the people got angry with him. It ain't take long. One moment they patting you on the back, the next moment they mad at you. Because when he started laying it out to them, then they it's like, oh my God. So who is this guy who can speak so well? Who came from a carpenter's son? Do you mean to tell me that the prophet of Jubilee is going to be a carpenter's son? Yes. I mean to tell you that he came through 42 generations. I mean to tell you that he is Joseph's little boy. Yes, he came through Mary the virgin and she had not been with a man. Yes, this prophet of Jubilee who came to set us all free so that we can all celebrate that we've been free from sin. That's Joseph's boy. That's Mary's boy. Yes, his sisters are among us. Yes, we know his brother Judah and the others, Simon and the others. We know his brothers. Yes, he has great wisdom 
him because he's not who you think he is. He's not just Mary's boy. He's the very son of God. Yes, when he stretches his arms out wide, he's going to bleed for your sin and for my sin. Yes, he's going to introduce us into Jubilee. Yes, he's the only one and the only way we can get to God. We've got to go through this one, this prophet of Jubilee, the one who's saying is being fulfilled in your presence right now. That's the one. He's the one you got to go to. You can't go to the pastor. You can't go to the deacon. You can't go to grandma and nana. No, you've got to go to him. He's the only way you're going to get all your debt of sin forgiven. He's the only one that can pay. And he paid it with his own precious blood. Your redemption was not with silver and gold and precious things. No, he redeemed our soul with his own precious blood. I love the fact that he loved me so much that he laid down his own life. I declare that he is the prophet of God. He is the prophet of Jubilee. He is the one who is able to save my soul. I can't put my hope in nobody else because nobody else can do what the scripture says he can do. And he fulfilled it all in his life, in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. So that's why my hope is in him. That's why my faith is in him. That's why today I celebrate Jubilee. I celebrate freedom from sin. I celebrate liberality from sin. I celebrate the fact my debt has been paid. Lord, have mercy. And any other thing I put on my account, he'll pay that too. Lord, help me here. I wish I had somebody in this earthly world who would pay my debt like that. But I thank God. I got a God in the spiritual realm that whatever sin I sin, he takes care of it. Even when the devil comes and accuses you and says, look at what she did. Look at what he did. My father says, but it's been paid for. Christ paid it all at Calvary. Yes, he did. He suffered, bled, and died to pay it all. Paid for my sin past. Paid for my sin present. Paid for my sin future. Thank you, God, for being my prophet of Jubilee. I stand before you, Kettering, today to introduce you to the prophet of Jubilee. The one, the only one who was anointed by God. Appointed by God, empowered by God to lead us into freedom from all our sin and freedom from all of the debt that we owe to God as it relates to sin. Jubilee, Jubilee in Christ Jesus, the prophet of Jubilee. Only one person can fit this bill, Jesus Christ himself. And he acknowledges even in the midst of his own people today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your very hearing. Father in heaven, thank you for your word this day. Lord, maybe there's someone here under the sound of my voice that needs a savior. Maybe their life has been a mess and it's been in turmoil. They've sinned against you. They've sinned against heaven, sinned against mother, father. But today, God, because you paid the price for all of our sin to be forgiven, I pray today that you would move on their heart to come and accept the free payment that you made for them, that they would give their life to you. The enemy wants to keep them in darkness, to keep them in despair, to cause them to keep running and running from God. But Lord, today I'm praying you draw them out of the darkness into the marvelous light of truth. The truth is he is our savior and our Lord. He's the only way we can get to God. He loves us so much that he gave his life that we won't have to die and spend our eternity separated from him. So, Lord, 
Open up the eyes of the blind today and draw them to you. Remove the fear, the anxiety. Create a sense of urgency because they know not how much time they have. But let them make a decision today while they have the opportunity and while it's clear in their heart. Do it today, God. Save that lost soul. Reclaim that drifter today. Draw them back to yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.